0: We want to fill this place with young people, all right? And there's one reason why, and I kind of mentioned it before service, because your peers need Jesus, all right? Why are you going to fight a battle in your high school by yourself? You see what I'm saying? You need the people that surround you to be just as in love with Christ, if not more than you are, okay? There's two ways that's going to happen. First of all, the people you hang around with, if they ain't committed to Christ, ain't, ain't, if they are not committed to Christ, okay? Then you might need to pick a new group of friends, okay? That's one way to get to a group of friends that do love Jesus. Maybe you just ain't picking them right, okay? Because if they're denying Christ and they don't love Jesus, back it up. What does that mean? You're judging them and you're separating yourself from them because you're better? No, that's not what it means. It means you are being obedient to what the Word of God says and not to even break bread with people who are like that, okay? You can witness to them, you can love them, and you can pray fervently. The Bible says the prayers of a righteous man, or woman for that matter, availeth much. Okay? So if they ain't saved, if they are not saved, okay, and they are not committed to Christ, if they are not bearing the fruit of the Spirit, and they're not receiving what you're saying, get on your knees and cry out to God for them. Okay? Because God will grant them repentance. All right? Second way it can happen. The people that you do hang around with that do know Jesus, that are not inside of a place of worship, invite them here. Okay? It's a little bit. It might it might be more difficult for Manny. Well, it was. You moved out of Deltona. Praise the living God. I was going to say, because people from Deltona, like, man, I ain't going to go to church in Oviedo, man. So that might be a little bit more difficult. But now you live in Castleberry, so praise God. Um the other way, there's a third way, see I said two ways there's three ways. the other way is witnessing and um how do you guys feel about a um a um evangelistic witnessing type mission purposeful outgoing and outpouring of of God? no I'm talking about us being missional. I'm talking about Friday, you come here for praise and worship, and we hit the streets guys like that? That's not a field trip, bro. Field trip's like I'm going to Disneyland or something, man. This is missional work. This is going out and communicating the gospel, all right? If you, if you want to look at it like that, it makes you feel better than praise God. But the purpose would be to communicate the gospel, to let people know we're here. How many of you guys understand that you guys serve God in an awesome place, the Faith Dome Fellowship? Would you guys agree with that? Okay. I, I feel totally comfortable. I'm, I'm going to give you a testimony here. I feel totally comfortable inviting my family to come to this church. Totally comfortable. At the old church I went to when the pastor was kind of like when we had a pastor, a pastor change, I was like, man, I was kind of reluctant to invite people because I wasn't fond of this pastor. I thought that he was placed there strategically by the Pentecostal overseers, and it was a political thing and not a God thing. So I wasn't feeling that, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know. I was kind of hesitant on inviting people to church. I feel 100% confident to invite people here to hear Bishop speak. Not because he's awesome, but because Jesus is awesome. And he gets on his face and he gets in the word and he prays out to God and he cries out to God. And God pours into him and he's led by the spirit and he communicates the word. That's why. So if you guys feel comfortable the way that I do, man, we got we to gotta get people in here, man. Because there's a lot of churches and God forbid they go to one that's not teaching the truth ain't trying to be like we're the only one but man I even told my aunt I know I'm talking I'm kind of babbling here but it's I hope y'all ain't you know um I told my aunt she's telling me about you know cuz my family I was the first one to go to church in my family and the first one to really be committed to to um to God and um my aunt shortly after who's like 54 years old now she um she began to be committed and she's been committed for about 3 years now I've been committed for like 8 or 9 years and Then her husband came like after a year and a half of her going by herself. So it's really awesome what God is doing. Now you guys have probably noticed my mom's been coming for like the last six months. She's actually taking phase one now. I mean, she's really plugging in and I'm just, it's so exciting to me. Um, But I told my aunt when she's giving me testimonies and stuff, because now my other aunt goes to her church and my grandma and her husband. So it's just growing and God is awesome. Um, But she tells me a testimony about her church and about some of the things her pastor's saying. And It's good. It's like in a line with the word. And I smile and I told on the phone, I said, you know, it really makes me happy when you sit, when you talk about your pastor, because I can see his heart and I see the things he's communicating and I know you're in a good place. It's a non-denominational church too. And he's an old guy. He's like maybe 70 or something like that. But he's, he's got a loving pastoral heart, man. And and I hope that I can learn from him as I communicate with him and hear stories and stuff like that. But my point in communicating that is there's places out there, there are so many churches and a lot of them are not preaching the gospel. A lot of them are not promoting Christ. A lot of them are not going to the word to communicate to the congregation. Okay, so this isn't a place that's like that. So feel comfortable inviting anyone here. I hope you guys do, um, because this is a good place for them to be and grow in Christ. Um, The message is going to be from the book of James and... Wrote it on that paper over there. It is entitled. It's got to be from God and evident to all. That's the title of the message. It's got to be from God and evident to all. We've been talking from the book of James. Uh, as you guys know, the book of James was written to the early Jewish Christians that were scattered abroad back then. And. Um, it was after the death of Christ, maybe a few um, a few decades after the death of Christ. I think it was like forty nine A.D. roughly. And these early Jewish Christians were scattered abroad because of persecution. Uh, essentially, you can say it's written to all Christians, including yourself. Um, with that said, we're going to continue in chapter three, verses thirteen through eighteen. Uh, last time, whenever we spoke a few weeks ago, we were talking about taming the tongue from the first part of chapter three uh, and how powerful your tongue is. So James, chapter three, verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. If you are truly wise and understanding, then it should be evident by your conduct and your behavior. That's the theme of the st- of the book of James. The faith that you have will determine the actions and attitudes of the individual. So if you're truly wise and understanding, because James is saying, who is wise and understanding among you? Who? Is it you, maybe? Maybe it's not. Well, it should be evident with your conduct and your behavior. God has called us out of darkness to be a clear representation of his son. We have been purchased at a price, the blood of Jesus. Therefore, it is our responsibility to worship. First Corinthians chapter six, verses 19 and 20. It says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God. Okay? So that word purchase there, or bought, bought, "purchase," same thing. In the Greek, it's like agaradzo or something like that, and it means redeemed. Redeemed. Okay? What do we redeem from? Our sinful nature, right? The word price, you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in body and spirit. And the Greek is time. And that means value. Okay, so let's put this together a little bit here. In order for you to be redeemed, okay, there had to be a valuable sacrifice. Much more valuable than those animal sacrifices. The blood of Christ alone was sufficient and is sufficient for your redemption. So if there had to be a valuable sacrifice, what was God's greatest creation in the six days of creation? Us. Very good. He created man in the image and likeness of himself. He gave us dominion. Okay? He told us to be fruitful and multiply. He gave us things to enjoy. He's a loving father. He gave us the Garden of Eden. He gave us many things to eat and enjoy. He gave us animals. He said, man, it ain't good for man to be alone. So he created a woman. He's just a loving father, making sure that we're well taken care of. Okay? We rebelled against him not the other way around, all right? So the most valuable the most valuable thing in God's creation was not the ocean, was not the sky, was not the trees, was not the animals, it wasn't a goat, it wasn't a lion. It was Amy, it was Crystal, it was Manny, it was Nate, you see? So the valuable sacrifice for your redemption had to be man. It had to be a man. So God did what? He said, I got provision. Are you, can any man apart from Christ be that sacrifice? Listen, all we're born into sin since the fall of Adam, we have this sin issue, okay? Sin is enmity with God. It makes you an enemy with God. Any type of sin is an enemy of God. That's what's inside of our hearts. There's no way around it. So what did God do? God said, you know what? I'm going to come down in the form of man. God, the son, Jesus Christ, second part of the Trinity. And I'm going to live this perfect life and I'm going to sacrifice my son, God, the father, sacrificing his son. And that's exactly what happened. There was a valuable sacrifice. Um, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded continually. He was bruised for our iniquities. The sin that we have, he was bruised for that. Hey, anybody ever have a deep bruise? That young hurts. He was bruised. He was beaten up. By his stripes we are healed. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. The peace that we desire, the peace that we have, and knowing that we can spend eternity with God was in him and his sacrifice. That was the valuable sacrifice. And on Wednesday night we were talking about um about uh, Christ being the sacrifice and and um. I forget the total the total conversation, but the question was like. Very good. I love Ryan Ireland. That guy like helped me out so much right there because I was at like a roadblock. The question was, if man is sinful, all men, and Jesus is both man and God, then how could he be sinless? Just by being born by a human, he should be automatically sinful, right? Man's wrong. The man carries the seed, okay? It was the seed of man that become corrupt. The woman, of course, she nurtures that seed, and the seed grows inside of her. However, it's the seed that is corrupt, okay? The Bible says that through one man, sin entered the world. Through one man, sin will leave the world, okay? That one man is Adam, okay? We are the carrier of that disease, the man, okay? All women come from men. Right. okay. so they get to partake of that sin as well. That is on all of humanity. Jesus was not the seed of a man. His daddy was God, the heavenly father. Therefore, he was holy and sinless, yet he was tempted in all ways and did not fail. I forgot why I even brought that story up, but there was a reason. And I apologize for not remembering. However, the sacrifice, ah, that was what it was. When he was born, he was tempted in all ways. He did not come into the world. He did not crucify, uh, allow himself to be crucified at the age of 8 or the age of 12. All right? He had to be tempted in every way just to prove, you know what, I am a, sin, I am a sinless man. Therefore, he was a baby. He was a toddler, he was an adolescent, he was a youth, and he was an adult. And then he was crucified. He was tempted in all ways. Okay. Rabbit trail. First John chapter 2 and verse 2, just to touch on the point of God, uh, Christ being that valuable sacrifice, redeeming us, and he himself is the propitiation, he's the sacrifice, he's the substitute for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Guys, let's get this word out. People need to hear it. Anthony, you got any friends? One? Two? Just one? Get him to the faith dome. If he's got a home church, keep him as a friend. Just tell him you love him all the time. But if he don't have a home church, you get him to the faith dome. All right. All of this should be done in humility and wisdom, according to the word of God. It's like oxymoron to be proudly representing Christ. You ain't did nothing. You have done nothing. You rely on the righteousness of Christ to be that substitute for your sinful nature so you can have a relationship with God. You have no room to boast about anything. If anything, you have room to say, I'm sorry, I repent. I'm sorry, I repent continually because your heart is wicked and you're constantly having things going through your mind that don't need to be there. Maybe I'm by myself, but good Lord, I just cannot wait till God takes me up with him so that I can live in a glorified body and not have sin dwelling inside of me. Understand that you are not doing God any favors for obeying his commands. As a loving father, he lays out Instruction so that you may have complete joy in him. Total fulfillment only comes through a healthy relationship with God. Therefore, he commands you to do what he knows will enable you to have a relationship with him. Think about this. You as a parent, you as a friend, okay, because we don't have no parents in here, you the people you love, you want what's best for them, right? You don't want to give, like, you know, somebody you love a lot, you don't want them to have like the worst of, of the litter, you know. You want them to have what's best. You see what I'm saying? So you, would, you wouldn't tell them to, you know, Crystal, you wouldn't tell your little, little brother to pick up this hot coal. You know, you don't want him to burn himself. You know, you would say, hey, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Use this shovel here. You know, you, you want what's best for the people you love. Well, God, in all of his omniscience, knowing everything, he knows what's best for us. And what's best for us isn't what we think was best for us all the time. But what's best for us is to be in relationship with him because in relationship with him, all else comes behind. The joy you want, well, it's going to come in him. You think you get joy by being in a relationship with another individual, but you don't. You see what I'm saying? You get joy by being content with the Lord. That's why so many marriages are breaking up because they don't have joy just within themselves. It's whenever they seek God individually themselves that the ultimate joy will come because they learn how to love. And then they love each other perfectly according to God's standards. And they begin to have a joyous relationship in the Lord and together. You see, God knows. That ultimate joy comes through him, and that's why he leads us to him. He has to. Because if he wants what's best for us as a father, a loving father, he's going to say, this is what's best. You have a relationship with me. Because I'm all-knowing. I created you. I know what's best. I'm the giver of all good things. I'm your protector. For instance, the Ten Commandments. Jesus said all of the commandments hang on these two. Love God with all your mind, heart, and soul. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So tell me, tell me how loving God with all your mind, heart, and soul will cause you eternal punishment. Tell me how loving your neighbor will cause you eternal punishment. See, I get a kick out of that when people say they love you so much, but yet they are not leading you to Christ. I look at them candidly like, you don't even know what you're talking about. You think you love me a lot, but yet you are not leading me to my Savior. People who are lost do not comprehend that. You know, they don't understand that what the definition of love is and that the only way that they can have that joy and peace that they're trying to give you through something else. For instance, if, if, if whenever my friends, they smoke weed, they thought they were doing me a favor by giving me a blunt. And they were like, man, I give my weed to you. Why don't you love me? Why aren't we friends? This is important to me, and I'm giving it to you. Dude, you're not loving me. You think because you're giving me that, that's love? That is just causing confusion and and breakdown in my life, and it's drawing me away from God. It's not drawing me to God. So, in a real twisted way, they're not loving me. I know it's unintentional because they're doing it in ignorance. That's why Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, that's something we have to understand as well. But we could also educate them and say, That's not love. Because you know better, you know what you're doing. Hopefully. That's why we always turn to the word for instruction. Trusting in Christ will produce that obedience. When you die to yourself and rely on Christ, the word of God, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It talks about in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. All things were made through who? I knew you guys would say him. Who's him? God. Who's God? God who? God the son. We're talking about Jesus here. See, in the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. And the Word was with God. See, that God's God, the Father. We're talking about Jesus was with God. See, this is like a Trinity thing here. This is cool. And the Word, Jesus, was God, the Father. That's how, you know, the Trinity, they're, they're one. Okay. He was in, Jesus was in the beginning with God, the Father. All things were made through him, Jesus, And without him, Jesus, nothing was made that was made. And Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus, the light of men. You see, so trusting in Christ will produce this obedience. He'll be the light to you, the light to all men. And when you die to yourself and rely on Christ for all of the guidance and all of the correction and all of the instruction and all of the teaching, which is doctrine. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. That's whenever it's going to produce obedience. I'm relying on the word. I'm loving Jesus. It's just like, it's like, it just follows. I mean, you rely on the word, it's going to produce obedience. You rely on yourself and your own understanding, well, you're going to go through a lot of rough times. Your desire to be obedient to God will come from a result of you falling in love with your great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly and sensual and demotic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Do not dare lie against what is true or be deceitful in your representation of who you are in Christ. If you are jealous of others or covetous and desire to please yourself and satisfy you, 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 you. You're lying against the truth. Don't be deceitful. This is what James is talking about. Do not brag falsely that you are great or good because of something that you did that you feel is worthy to be praised. We have no grounds to boast about anything. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Nobody can parade around saying, look, man, you know, I've been on a praise team for 10 years. I'm so close to God. Hallelujah. You know It's like, man, have you been on the great, have you been on the praise team for ten years? You know why you've been on the praise team for ten years? Well, let me tell you something. It all started whenever God revealed himself to you and took the scales off your eyes and showed you how good He was and how bad you are, and you repented for your sins and you trusted in him and relied on him. And you went to his word for obedience and instruction and correction. And you cried out to him in your time of need. And you praise him always. That is why you've been on the praise team for 10 years. Because God is good. And he's revealed himself to you. And you have a desire to praise him. Not because you did anything. Praise God you're being faithful. Praise God you're doing what you're supposed to do. I would hope that that's what you would want to do. After God has revealed himself to you. We don't do it to get rewarded. We don't do it to get a pat on the back. We do it because we love him and it flows from us. And everything inside of us wants to please him and praise him and glorify him. Because he deserves it. Because he pulled you out of darkness when you were on a road to destruction. Because you were on your way straight to hell. And you were so blinded because you didn't realize everything you were doing was offending the one who created you and loves you most. But yet he took you out of that place and put you on a path to be in relationship and fellowship with him and to give you everlasting life and joy and comfort and security and make you a slave to righteousness. That is why you would be on the praise team for 10 years, so do not dare boast. The Bible talks against it. You would be lying against the truth with your phony acting job of pretending to be understanding and wise or pretending to be great or praiseworthy from your aimless conduct. First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 Peter's talking here. He says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct. Received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. To me, this is a clear indication of Christianity and religion. Religion would be the aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. That's religion. People who go to church to be seen, people who give to be seen, people who fast to be seen, they don't have a relationship with Christ. But you're redeemed by the precious blood, not nothing you've done from your aimless conduct, but by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. That valuable sacrifice that redeemed you. We're talking about wisdom that is not from God. Where envy and self-seeking exist, disorder and evil deeds are there. Just be real. If, If you don't understand something, humbly say, I don't understand something. When you carry yourself in your daily conduct, do it humbly and with wisdom. Tame your tongue. Chill out. Relax. Love Jesus. James chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Verse 18. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now we're talking about wisdom from above. So you got that wisdom that's demonic and sensual and is self-seeking. If you're ever self-seeking, question yourself. That's not godly. If you're more concerned about you, 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 instead of others, question yourself. We all get there. Don't say you don't, because then you're doing, you're, doing, you're doing exactly what we're talking about here. You're being deceitful. You're acting. You've got a little phony acting job going on, okay? We all are, but especially whenever you're a part of a body, the body of Christ, when you're a part of something like the praise team, can't be self-seeking you can't be consumed with what's best for you this is all about jesus i know it might get annoying if you see someone else that's like that but, hey, man you all up in the flesh can't you just focus on jesus you know because it's not about you especially when you're a part of something man i had a good analogy oh yeah um this is this is what it would be like. I'm kind of backtracking here. This is from the last uh, verses 14 through 16. You get somebody. Let's say you have a basketball. You have two basketball teams, and they're playing. They're duking it out, and, and they make it to the final game. They're ready to rock and roll. Well, yes, each team has seven people. You got two backup guys. Well, they come to play in this finals game, this, this championship game, and one team only has four people show up and the other one has six people show up. So to make the game go on, they say, okay, well, you can have our extra guy. So the team with four people, and they need five people to play. They're like, oh, cool, man, thanks, you know. So they get this extra guy, and this guy shows out. He is the star of the game, this, this extra guy that, you know, was the number six man on this other team, and this team wins. And they start boasting and bragging like, Oh, we beat you guys. We stomped you guys. This is the championship game we won. and They're celebrating and they're trying to smear it in their face. This other team would be like, you guys wouldn't even have been able to play if we didn't give you a guy. And that's what he's talking about, not boasting in your false humility as if though you're worthy of some type of praise. God has given you the ability to be able to even look at him, to be able to think about him. Our minds are reprobate, Our minds are not focused on him he has revealed himself to us so that we can have that ability to do that. He has taken the scales off our eyes. We have no right to boast. We just be content in Christ. Think about that analogy. This team, man, you would want to smack that team. Like, man, what are you doing, man? We gave you a player so you could play and not forfeit, and you're trying to rub it in our face? I thought that was a nice illustration there. Now we're going to talk about the wisdom from above. It is pure in itself. It is free from everything that is earthly, carnal, sensual, devilish. It produces purity of heart, of life, of behavior. And it means, it is the means of keeping a person pure and chaste and free from impure lust. Lust of uncleanliness, pride, envy, wrath, which prevail in carnal and unregenerate men. So the wisdom that's from above, would you say that that's good for you? It's going to help you out, all right? So that's just a way for you to be discerning, and that's what that's what James is talking about whenever he says, if you have a bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not sin from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Those are the things that are not wisdom from above, but whenever you have the Peaceable, gentle, willing to yield full of mercy, good fruits without partiality and no hypocrisy. That's the wisdom from above and from God. It inclines and engages those who have it to live in peace with the saints and even with all men. So, you're going to want to live peaceable with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're going to want to fellowship with them and encourage them and be gentle and kind to them. This is the wisdom of God when it's poured out into your life. Remember, the beginning of knowledge is from the fear of the Lord. And through knowledge comes wisdom. You're going to want to live in peace with those in your own household, with your neighbors, and with your enemies. The wisdom of God will cause you to do that. It makes you gentlemen. It makes you a gentle person moderate and humane, so that you bear and forbear. They bear with the infirmities of the weak. So When somebody's struggling, you're bearing with them. You're a shoulder to cry on. You're an encouragement to them. You're lifting them up. Readily forgive the injuries done to you. Do not rigidly exact what is their due. So people, they, they offend you. They may deserve to be beat down. They may deserve to be pimp slapped, if you will. They may deserve to be, you know, whatever. But what you do is you react in a kind way, in a loving way. And you recede from their just right for the sake of peace and love. For the sake of peace and love. The Bible says pursue love. You know, I had one experience like this in my life, and it was very difficult for me to go through. Where the individual was completely wrong. Completely wrong. And I was doing the best that I could to be as loving as possible, but yet they were still treating me bad. And the advice that was given to me was pursue peace. That's what the Bible says to do. You pursue peace. It's not about what they're doing. You do what your Savior wants you to do. That's wisdom from God. Now, if i got all right, irate and started getting crazy and, you know, acting what some would say is justly. You're justified to act like that. Look what they're doing to you. No, not as a child of God. I have no grounds to act like that. I should be pursuing peace. Do not bear hard upon others for their failings, but cover them with a mantle of love. So people, they, they fail, they mess up. The wisdom of God would have you cover them with love, encourage them, not pound on them because of their failings. Who in here likes to be, likes for someone to take their finger and put it in your open wound whenever you fail? You know you did wrong. You know you've done wrong. Now you need someone to come over here and say, oh, look, look, why did you do that? I wasn't smart. You know, they, they rub it in your face, and you're like, man, can you just love me? All right, because <laughs> I, I don't feel good right now, and you're making me feel no better. Can you, like, utilize that wisdom of the, of God that you say you have? Willing to yield, compliant. Those who have it readily yield to the superiors, judgments, and stronger reasonings of others, and are easily induced to hope and believe all things and entertain a good opinion of men and their, their conduct, and are far from being proud, arrogant and overbearing. The Bible says that a fool does not receive instruction. If you have the wisdom of God, you will be compliant. Whenever you're in a situation where you're not the one that's in charge, you will be obedient and submissive because the wisdom of God is covering you. You won't be that difficult one that's hard to get in line because you don't want to take no instruction. Okay, We're talking about the wisdom from above here. You can analyze yourself and say, oh man, that's me sometimes. And say, well, I'm not operating in the wisdom of God. Let me go ahead and readjust myself in that situation. That would be the hope. Because we ain't perfect. And sometimes we need to evaluate ourselves and say, I need to align myself with the word of God. Just a little note here. If you're in the word of God, you will be able to do that better. Okay? Of compassion and benefits to the poor, like benevolence. People who are in need, you have compassion for that. I ain't talking about the people that are holding up signs. Believe me, I'm not because I got no compassion for them. And you can say I'm wrong for that if you want to, but I'm a firm believer that somebody can go and try to get a job. I'm not saying I never bought a burger from somebody who came up to me and was asking me for money because I've done that. Look, I ain't going to give you no money, but I'll take you in and buy you some food. I was at a McDonald's. I've done that many times. Matter of fact, when I first got saved, I used to pick up bums that were on the streets and bring them to church to bishops and youth ministry. However, what I am saying is somebody who falls apart hard times and they lose their job, especially in this economy, and, and God forbid they lose their family and they lose their house and they're just, you know, they're living in a, a shelter. That's what those shelters are there for. But somebody who hasn't worked in four years that sits on I-4 with a sign, totally different situation. The Bible says, that Paul said, if a man doesn't eat, a man doesn't eat. I mean, if a man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat. Because back then, they were like, oh, Jesus is coming. They didn't even want to work and provide for their families. They just were waiting on the Lord. Paul was like, dude, you better get up and go to work. Paul was even building tents. So you can have a compassion for those who are poor, those who are hungry, those who need to be clothed. Visiting widows and fatherless in their, affi- in their affliction and doing all other good works and duties, both with respect to God and man. As fruits of grace and of the Spirit, guys, why do we do what we do? If you're not glorifying God and what you're doing, and giving God all of the glory, and making sure it's known to man that He's the one that deserves the credit, then you 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 might be uh, you might be shining that glory upon yourself. Be careful. You know, a bum comes up to you. I call them bums because that's what the world calls them. Somebody, you know, they 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 look all grungy looking, you know, and they smell, cause they do smell, a lot of them, they smell like PAP on themselves, everything, when they come up to you and they're like, you know, can you spare a dollar or something, you know, they ask you for money, and right away, you know, you know they're going to go out and buy alcohol or something, and that's not what you, you hope for, but that's probably what they're going to do, so you say, nah, man, I, are you hungry? Is that why you want money? You hungry? Okay, come, come with me, you take them to the store and you buy something. Or, or you go into the store and buy something for them. You, you you, make a way for them to be fed to feed that hunger. And you say, look, I'm doing this because I love Jesus. And I know that God loves you. And he wants for me to assist you. That's why I'm doing this. And I don't have confidence that you're going to spend this money on what it needs to be spent on. So that's why I went and bought it for you. But you just mention why you're doing what you're doing. Because somebody that doesn't know Christ. They could look at him twice and be like... You' crazy. Dude. Try to act like they didn't hear him talking to him. I hope that you don't do that. You need to be grieved with compassion. Now, I'm not telling that you need to react, especially young ladies, because some of these old people, these old crazy men, they might have some evil, wicked things that they're intending on doing. So be careful. Okay, I'm not telling you that if you don't do it, you're, you don't have a relationship with Christ. That's not what I'm telling you. But it should, it should do something inside. To one another, or Making a difference between them. Showing no respect to persons. Don't show respect to persons. We're talking about that partiality. Bestowing upon the poor and indigent without any distinction. um, You are sincere about what you say and do. There is no deceit or false humility. What you see is what you get. Okay. Now, in conclusion, I'm closing here. God tells us through the Apostle Paul how to have his peace. And that is to meditate on Philippians chapter 4 verses 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good of report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do, and God will be the peace with you. Guys, everything that you do, you should align with the scripture. This is a good overall verse for you to be in alignment with. Okay, I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna get on the internet, and I'm gonna get on Facebook, I'm gonna get on MySpace, I'm gonna do something. Okay, are you doing something that is noble? Are you doing something that is just? Are you doing something that is pure? These are questions for yourself. Maybe you are. You can go on Facebook and MySpace and do things that are pure, noble, just, lovely. You can. You are accountable to God, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you want the peace of God? Do you want to be in a place and people see the glory of God upon you? Meditate on these things. The word of God is awesome. It gives us clear instruction, clear direction. We are without excuse. I love you all. I thank you all for listening to me. I thank God for the privilege and opportunity to be up here. I'm sorry I did not pray to open up service, but we will pray to close it.